Hello everybody and welcome to another episode. In this episode we're going to talk about Asterix, the open source PBX server. I'm Mark Clark, I'm from South Africa and I'm an open source developer and solution um, solution provider. I'm joined by Darlene uh, from, from Canada. Hi Darlene. Hi Mark, how are you this week? Alright, thanks. Well, just maybe we can uh, start with, you know, what 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 Asterix is, per se. Okay. Mark, would you like to start with that? Yeah, let me let me do that. Asterix, as I said in the beginning, is a open source uh, telephony server. Um, it's also called a VoIP server or RP PBX, and essentially it is it is an open source server, in both in terms of its, its source code, but also that it runs on standard or generic hardware, um, which anybody can implement. Which therefore, you know, makes it quite a disruptive technology in the in PBX or telephony market, where it's very much a proprietary um, type of solution that, that normally gets provided there. So it's very exciting and it's disrupting that whole industry, and a lot of a lot of companies are switching to it to save costs and increase productivity. Mm-hmm. Because there's lots of benefits to using Asterix um, in in business. I'm sure you've come across them, Darlene, and uh, you use Asterix. Yes. So in my company, we use an Asterix box. We've been using it for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And some of the benefits that we found were that we weren't reliant on outside sources, like an uh, telco, for any enhancements or management we needed of our services. Mm-hmm. And we also have some redundancy built into our system then, because we do have some copper lines coming in, and then we move into the, vo- into the uh, Asterix box. As well, we found it was very cost-effective, you know, compared to the traditional models that were offered by our telco, because it seems on uh, business rates are three times what anything residential would be. Okay. And as well as a small business, it allowed us to expand our phone capacity with VoIP lines along with our copper lines. Mm-hmm. So we, we found just, and uh, again, that you know there were 99% of the features that we wanted, but we, uh, we were able to code the rest that we wanted, because okay. once we learned more about Asterix, we got more adventurous. Yeah. Now that's the thing for you is Asterix, it's, it's extensible, you know, and it's extensible in the sense that if you decide to add more lines um, to your box, you can just you know, pop it open and put in new cards, or if your box, you need a bigger box to run Asterix on, you can still reuse the hardware in a new box. Um, so that's extensive in that sense, uh, which obviously saves money and time. And then also it's extensive, as you say, and from a software sense, it's got a well-defined API that you can then use to integrate into your applications in your office or you know any third party application you can take advantage of it is and it's documented as well. You know, you don't have to sort of pay some guy tons of money just to just to do the integration for you. Right. So, yeah. Okay. So do you want to talk a little bit about what we felt with the hardware requirements to set up an yeah. Asterix box in your office? Yeah, typically I mean we we do quite a few Asterix installations all the way from, you know, small like offices, SME type of PBXs all the way to call centers, like 20 to 50 seat call centers with Asterix. So it's very versatile and, and flexible. Um, so, you know, the, what you do find is that the its hardware requirements are actually quite minimal. Um, the, the, the main bottleneck is normally the CPU because of all the codex translations that it has to do. Um, you know, it requires a bit of CPU, but this memory and doesn't have to be that much. You can get about 500 megs of RAM. But specifically, you have a gig. Um, it's gig RAM in there to do all of the to handle all the calls and everything. And the hard disk really that depends on how much recording you want to do. Because if you're not going to do any voice recordings, any voice mail and stuff like that, you don't really need big hard disks. Um, but you know, or mm-hmm. you, you can even use smaller disks if you're going to sort of archive the 
back on the call centers, they have to record all of the, the conversations, you know, in case there's a dispute later and all of those things. And they just archive it off in the evenings to a, to another machine. So, yeah, so it's actually quite modest what its requirements need to be. You don't need to go and spend, you know, a ton of money on actual hardware. Um, but typically, mm-hmm. expensive hardware is the is the actual cards that you use when you integrate into the PSTN networks. So, for example, like Digim, the guys that actually, um, you know, develop Asterix, they make um, hardware cards that you can use to interface with the PSDN networks. You know, both the BRR um, for the ISDN lines and the PRR ISDN line cards. Um, and those tend to be quite expensive compared to, that's actually the most expensive piece of hardware that you have in the Asterix box. Um, yeah, but I mean, apart from that, it's normally quite modest. Okay. What have you, yeah. in your experience, what have you used? Well, we, we use the Digim cards. We okay. actually don't, uh, we don't use any... Um, aftermarket cards we, we order right from Digim. Mm-hmm. But I thought we could also talk about we could also talk about the other hardware that goes along with this, uh, is yeah. the SIP phones. Oh, you know, yeah. whether we want people like to use the soft phones uh, on their computer, on their PC, mm-hmm. or do they realize that they can't use a, a regular phone any longer, that they have to invest into a, a, a SIP phone such as a Polycom or Grandstream. Do you have any comments on that, Mark? Like um yeah, look at Mm-hmm. Well, just that the, the cost can be can, can vary quite a bit, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, my from my experience, the Grand Stream mm-hmm. were very cost effective, and mm-hmm. and we use them in our office. Yeah, I think I've okay. had some feedback from yourself that maybe their life expectancy wasn't that great. Mm-hmm. But uh, we also use the Polycoms. Okay. And I really like really like it. I actually have also have a, a Linksys uh, mm-hmm. phone that I use, and actually it's probably the better one of better models I've come across. Yeah, no, no, look, uh, most of the call centers tend to use the soft phones um, because they're cheaper and they're cost-effective. Um, and already they've got, they've got computers for all the agents, so they try and cut costs like that. But, I mean, uh, you know, it's sort of what you uh, penny-wise, pound-foolish, as it were. Um, because what happens is often with the soft phones is people change their configurations. There's a lot of support issues around that, especially if you've got people that are not too technical. And typically, you know, call center agents aren't very technical. So they change the settings on the phone, and then next minute, all kinds of, of, of problems. There's also irritation because, um, you know, typically the, the PBX gets blamed for these problems when it's actually, you know, client side and the system administrator hasn't locked down the machines properly. So they set up the phones, the soft phones wrong, and it gets problems. So hard phones are, I mean, are typically better at that because then they, you know, they look, they look like phones. Um, people don't mess with them that much and change their settings. So mm-hmm. hard phones are good from that point of view. But as you say, they're horrendously expensive. I mean, the, the Grand Stream, which are the cheapest sort of um, hard phones that we find, uh, what we find is that they last about a year and then they break. So, you know, you pay all that money for a phone and it doesn't work um, after a year. Mm-hmm. And on the high end, in South Africa, what's very popular are the slum phones. Um, just like everywhere you go, people use the use the slum phones. And um, you know, sometimes using the, people pay for the slum phones, especially in bigger installations, because you can do automatic provisioning of those phones. So if you have an installation with 300 phones, you, know, you don't want to have to go to each phone and set up individually, because that'll be painful. So you have like a central server that will automatically push out the the settings to just like you know almost like a DHCP service pushes out the settings to to um, workstations so this pushes out to the phones so yeah so I do think that that the hardware there in terms of the phones are can be quite expensive one potential middle ground is to especially if you've got a client that's already got a PBX system that you're replacing it's not a it's not an IP 
PBXS and replacing. You can use the existing phones, the analog phones, by buying these ATA adapters. And essentially they plug into that. So the ATA adapters are still quite expensive, but it's cheaper than you know than, than the grand stream phones. So you can reuse those those older phones on the system. So that's also something to consider when you when you're doing that. So the okay. main thing I think is, is is you know talking about like how to how to install Asterix. Um what have you guys used mm-hmm. in your office to, to install Asterix? Well we we had Asterix back in the day. So mm-hmm. we did all of our stuff by coding. There wasn't a CD or a GUI install, we did it by command line coding. And it was mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So it was it was quite a bit of work. And uh, we were actually just discussing today, uh, we were, were thinking of uh, having a redundant box, having moving to newer hardware, mm-hmm. and how we were going to do this. And I had suggested that we should look at Elastic and okay. uh, do it with a CD install this time. But we still find it's going to be, well, I'll let you talk a little bit more before I go into the, you know, the okay. other side of installation, and that's the configurations. Okay. Yeah, I'm installing uh, a few years ago, not that long ago really. <laughs> um, you know, most installation is done from source because the Asterix um, codebase is moving so fast, and if you really wanted to get all the bugs off, you have to install from source. Nowadays, most distributions have Asterix in their repositories, so you can just do app get or yum install. Um, and as you were saying, there's all these um, distribution dedicated distributions to Asterix now. So you see that I know of mm-hmm. Elastic is the one. We we tend to use Elastic mm-hmm. for SME markets and stuff. Um, and then there's Trickbox. Trickbox. The problem with them is they seem to have got like this commercial side to them now, which I think is basically alienating the community. Um, and then there's also Digim started one now as well called Asterix now, which I haven't tried myself because it was being in beta until I think recently. I must just check if it's still in beta or if it's out. But yeah, it was in beta. We haven't really used it. Um, but what, what we do do on the, on the call center side, we typically we configurations are quite simple because if it's a call center, I mean, I know um, people hate call centers, you know, because <laughs> they're always finding people and, and annoying them and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of work in South Africa with call centers. Um, and uh, typically there you don't need a GUI because it's not like a fancy... A lot of commands that you need. It's just either an outgoing campaign or an incoming campaign. So it's quite, it's quite simple. But you know, so we, then we tend to just use a distribution like Ubuntu or or CentOS, and we just install it from the repositories because then we can do it without the GUI tools. Because yeah, you know, we're going on to the into configuration just now. But sometimes those tools can make things complicated underneath. So yeah, I don't know if you right. want to talk about what tools you use to to configure Asterix at all. No, actually, I don't have too much insight. I did talk, uh, you know, we were also today, as we're reviewing our plan forward, just mm-hmm. talking about Codex. Okay. And I understand, yeah. So we, we're looking at some, I guess there's some that you pay for the Codex per, per line. Are you familiar with that, Mark? Yeah, there's a, well, this, the thing is, is that there's a lot of free Codex out there that you can use. Yes. So it's okay to use, like, ULaw and ALaw on your local network. But when you start going over mm-hmm. a VoIP trunk, you need to use a codex that does a you know, high rate of compression, a compression sort of quality trade-off. And unfortunately, the the main one there is a G729 codex, which is patented. So you have to buy licenses whenever you use it. So you need one for every every chunk that you're going to have. Um, for that. It's a bit annoying as well because typically you need one on the on the server side and on the client side. Um, and that's one thing. A lot of these mm. like hard phones come with a, a codex already. You know, you already buy the codex in the phone. The G729 is on it. But if you try and like 
root over your internet connection with with a code is not G seventy nine. Often your your trunk your VoIP provider will just reject the call. Um, and also, mm-hmm. if you try anything else, you normally have voice quality issues and that because of compression and the frame rates and you know all that translation between TCP IP and and all of the voice translations that starts having a negative impact on the on the quality of the call. So yeah, so it's, it's not it's not horrendously expensive. I think it's like uh, I think it's ten dollars or something like that a or one or something. So you know, it's not it's not too expensive. It's not a significant cost, put it that way. And hopefully, of course, right. the open source okay. community manages to come up with something that can replace it in the long run. Okay. But I just wanted to bring that up because it is yeah. part of, you know, some considerations on on installation and configuration. Well, okay. So we were going to talk. Go ahead, Mark. No, I was going to say, especially with the, often what you find happening is people set up their web trunk and nothing works and they don't know why. It's because you need to configure the asterisk box to actually use the, the that codex. And you have to install the codex as well. You know, so these guys have mm-hmm. the have the phone sending it in the wrong encoded in the wrong format, and then of course it gets rejected at the VoIP provider, and they don't know why. So yeah, so often that can be an issue for for troubleshooting as well. People are not aware of that. Okay, all right. Okay, so let's uh, let's move on a little bit here, and we'll just talk about um, configuration uh, of of the system, and we we're going to talk about dial plans or. Um, yeah, PBXs. Go ahead, Mark. Let's. PBX. I think I think the issue yeah is that there's there's two ways to configure asterisk. There's using like a GUI tool and using a command line tool. Um, mm-hmm. You know to to configure it. Um, uh, have you used free PBX before as a command line? I mean as a GUI tool to to configure asterisk or at your office or not or do you tend to do it editing the dial plan manually? Yeah, we we tend to do it manually. So because we have that Linux background, so we're okay. comfortable with the command yeah. line. So depending yeah. on who is doing the configuration, right? But yeah. for us, we're we're comfortable with the command line. Yeah, the command line is often the obviously the most flexible way of, of doing it. Um, but the the mm-hmm. GUI tools, what they do enable FreePBX. I mean, for me, there's a trade-off. FreePBX is great because you can quickly set up a complex dial plan, you know, with follow me's and RVRs and voicemails by clicking a few buttons. Um, however, the the negative trade-off with that is that, you know, FreePBX tends to have be undocumented, and you know, from my experience, on all of its macros and its modules and all its different um, scripts that it uses. So as soon as you want to customize mm-hmm. it manually. You, you're in for a world of pain. Um, yeah, because you change it, and every time you do the changes, or changes get overwritten by free PBX. So, you know, it's, it's a cost-benefit thing. So, if you're going to put in an installation where the client's going to try and do their own little bit of administration, adding extensions and that kind of stuff, it's best to use free PBX. But if you're going to have a installation, you have complete control over. Sometimes better just to use the command line like like you guys are doing. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, it's just yeah. you, you just have less hassles in the long run with it. So yeah. All right. So now I understand that you can we we configure with SIP. Now, can yeah. you talk about some of the other other ways of configuring uh, asterisks? Like, not everybody uses SIP connections or SIP setup, right? Um, I'm only really familiar with the with the SIP side of things. I mean, the SIP mm-hmm. it's just a, it's this protocol that uses to initiate the calls and do all the signaling and all of that right. kind of stuff. Yep. Um, so yeah, so SIP I mean is, is a protocol which is actually independent of of asterisks. It's not. It's just asterisks. Right. People okay. can use SIP for all kinds of things, like I'm um, setting up video mm-hmm. conferences and all this. So yeah, so it's quite apparently from you know I'm, I'm not a SIP expert at all. But apparently, it's a very complicated. 
protocol. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, are there any other protocols that you're aware of? Well, well, put it this way: when you okay, we're talking about the IX protocol, which is the Asterix own um, protocol for sending data between, like, web servers. Um, so you can, like, let's mm-hmm. say you you have an office, because typically also we we work can cut a lot of costs in business and stuff. It's like if you have a like an office head office and you have regional offices. And then the regional offices, you know, have a VoIP server and they can connect over the internet to head office for calls. Um, and typically then what will happen is, you know, the, the, between the two servers you have to have like a trunk. And you can use, the both ASIC servers, you can use the IIX protocol for that, which is a very efficient protocol actually for um, for communications between, between VoIP servers. So yeah, so you can use that. And I think there is a move for to make it a standard as well, so that it'll become like a telephony standard. And it does do a lot of the stuff that the SIP does as well in terms of setting up calls and initiating them and those kind of things. So yeah, so I personally we haven't done, I haven't worked a lot with the AIX protocol um, myself. You know, because typically most of uh, the work we do tends to be connecting uh, offices to the PSTN network, and then obviously they won't. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just use um, the PSTN. Configurations there to, to to talk to the PSTN network. So I suppose you know, just to reiterate the thing about um, FreeFreeX, it's a great tool, great tool to do the configuration. But um, you know, if you have to then customize that code afterwards, you'll be waiting through source code for a long time. <laughs> well, um, if I get, well, when you set up your your channels, um, typically you assign numbers to the to the channel. So you can, for example, if you have um, you know, like you have an international call line or something, we have another line which, you know, which connects to the, let's say, it you, you happens in some kind, in some places, yeah, in South Africa you have, you have what's called PEMI cells, which are using for connecting to your cell phone network, so you can do least cost routing across, um, you know, depending on what call number, number you're calling, if you're calling a cell phone, it'll, it'll route it across the cell phone network and not across the, the landline network. Um, and so then each of those trunks, these channels, have a different number, so you can route the, the call across that channel. Um, so yeah, so but typically what in most cases what you just do is um you just like if you've got a PRR line, you just assign it all to one group, and then you just you know whatever channel is available, just automatically select and send it across across that channel um, in, in the trunks. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. All right, so. Do we want to talk anything about, uh, I guess this could fit into troubleshooting, do yeah. we want to talk anything about the voice quality, uh, you know, the quality of the network that might be underneath, yeah. uh, anything about latency that can be caused by packets? I know that here in our office that uh, when people first come in, uh, new hires that aren't quite familiar with our network, we find that uh, there's a bit of latency, especially when we call into mobile phones. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, well, while it's negotiating at first, that there's quite a delay, mm-hmm. and you think that the dial, that the call didn't work, and mm-hmm. you wait. And uh, we, I think you and I had talked about how you can actually program where the the ringtone kicks in sooner. So people will be somewhat tricked, or they think that they may, may be already connecting, yeah. uh, just to make up for for that latency. And as yeah. well, I really I think we should talk or stress to people listening that the quality quality of your network underneath all of this mm-hmm. also can affect can affect. So you think it's the asterisk box that's causing mm-hmm. you the problems? It could be bad cabling mm-hmm. in the office. You know, it could be switches. It could be a number of things. And uh, you know, so sometimes you have to trace it back right. a little bit further than just the asterisk installation. Yeah, look, that's that's an important point because you know, especially if you if you 
on your local network, if it's a busy network and it's already at capacity and you're going to put VoIP traffic on there, you're going to have problems. Um, and also, besides your local network, often where a lot of problems come in is that people think, you know, that they can just do VoIP routing over the over the internet with their VoIP provider over ADSL line. And the biggest problem you have with ADSL line is that its download speed might be great, but its upload speed is normally a, a fraction of, of, of its download speed. Um, and that's the biggest bottleneck. So typically, yeah, in South Africa, you get these 4 meg um, ADSL lines, and your download speed is, I think, 512K. Um, on that, you can probably only have two simultaneous calls um, you know, through that through that um, internet connection, and that's only if you've got nothing else happening on the internet, like people downloading stuff and that. So you know, you do need quite a decent. If you're going to do a lot of, like, let's say you've got a 30 calls, um, call center, you know, you're going to need a pretty big pipe to the internet to be able to handle all of those calls if you're going to avoid provider cleanly. Um, and that's also why in South Africa there's not a lot of, um, you know, we don't use VoIP that much because bandwidth here is very expensive. Um, yeah, hopefully prices will come down in, the, in this next year with all these cables being laid and stuff. But yeah, it's very expensive. So people typically just integrate with the PSTN network. Or even in some cases, right. in these call centers, they just get what they call SIM banks, and essentially they're just these big banks filled with like, you know, 50 um, SIM cards, and they just routes all the calls over over that. Because obviously, I mean, most call centers tend to call cell phones before they call the landlines. So yeah, so they yeah, do a lot of integration with, with the SIM banks. Um, and uh, I also think what's important as well, you know, when you're talking about sort of when you're planning on doing an asterisk installation, is to manage your expectations around around the calls because uh, you know the the VoIP call quality sometimes can be a little bit less than on your, your traditional network. Um, and typically, we don't have a, a strong management team that's backing the installation process. You know, people just with any change, they're always going to resist it and always going to find something to complain about. Um, so yeah, it's important that people sort of, you know, as with normal change management stuff, you know, you have to have a strong management commitment, upper management commitment to, to getting the system in place and getting people to use it. Because people tend to, to try and find all kinds of problems with the system when actually, you know, my experience uh, actually is very robust um, and hardly ever gives any, any hassles at all. Typically when, all, when, has, when problems are brought up, they actually rely sitting on the client side. So it's either, as you say, the network is a problem, or the SIP phone hasn't been set up properly, stuff like that, or the ADSL connection, or the, the breakout internet is not isn't adequate enough to actually, you know, um, service all of the all the calls that they're making. Right, and I think too. I don't know if we plan or talked about planning. I think having a good IT plan, a good telephony plan in place is good, and then you can plan when you're doing the installation, the initial installation. What what do you plan to do in the future to make sure you have you know, the, the equipment that you can expand with, uh, make sure that you do, you know, if you're, especially if you hire someone to come yeah. in at the beginning to do yeah. your installation for you, you know, to make sure that you talk about, am I going to have ring groups? Do I need yeah. an IVR? Will I ever use follow me? You know, yeah. do I need time conditions? You know, those ring yeah. groups are only available from nine to five. You yeah. know, these kind of things, uh, extension to cell phones, uh, you know, think forward thinking about what your sales force yeah. or your staff is, is going to require. Yeah, so uh, do you agree with that, Mark? Yeah, I do. And especially that's, that's quite important in the sense that often actually setting up the Astrid's box itself or just installing the base um, server isn't that time-consuming, but it's doing the actual the mm -hmm. dial plan and the configuring that's important, you know. I mean, you can set all these things up right. and then somebody, oh, we also need a dial group for X. Yeah, and that could, like, mess up your whole plan. 
you have to do video a whole lot of work. Yeah. So it's important to plan upfront, uh, you know, what's going to be done and and used. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that's also what often people don't put into their budgets, you know, um, when they're planning these things. I just think because in my experience, what happens with most people where they get involved with asterisks, you know, they, they sit at home, they get an asterisk distro like Elastic, they install it on their machine, they don't have to integrate with the PSTN network, which is where a lot of your problems lie. Because I promise you now, the biggest issue is often getting the right drivers, getting the right um, configuration and asterisks to talk to the PSTN network. Um, and if you don't have mm-hmm. that set up properly, it's not going to work. And um, many of these guys in the, in the sort of testing will only test the VoIP functionality. And it's actually quite trivial to set up. Um, and so they assume that the rest of it's going to be just as trivial, and, and, and it's not. Um, so you need to sort of, you know, people need to know that you need to budget for that kind of stuff. And you budget for the time that's involved in troubleshooting those those issues. Because um, if you just look, you know, if you look on the internet and the forums, you'll just see that that is by far where the vast majority of issues lie, is if the, if the actually doesn't pick up your, your card when you install it. Right, okay. And and did we touch anything on about having a hosted solution, like where somebody has a remote installation of Asterix instead of a hardware solution on site? Have you heard of people doing that at all in your in your market, uh, Mark? No, not really in South Africa because, once again, the bandwidth costs. But what I do know you can do, mm. and this is also where Asterix is also being used a lot now, is in sort of telecommuting to work. Um, not so much in South Africa, um, but I've read about it overseas, where, you know, because yes. what, what's nice about it, as you say, you, your extension can actually be anywhere. So you can have an extension mm-hmm. if you've got a decent internet connection on the other side of the world, which will ring when somebody phones in. So typically now you have people working from home, they just set up their, their SIP phone at home to connect to the, the server sitting at the office, and when somebody, you know, they set their phone sales and they get transferred through, it'll actually ring on their, on their yeah. home phone. And so that's quite a handy feature. Actually, now that you mention that, I'm, I'm actually starting to work at home more, so that might be an attractive feature for me to yeah. go get one of our spare phones and, and set it up at home so that my extension, because I was actually considering having it to sent to my cell phone, huh? but here in North America, our cell charges, it's kind of reversed. You guys have expensive bandwidth for your internet, but you have pretty cheap mobile phones. And in North America, we have cheap bandwidth, but our mobile, our cell phones or mobile phones are very expensive, daytime minutes. So that would be an advantage for me to to have a to have that SIP phone here at home, and forward it. So I think I'm going to explore that option myself. Uh, that, well, one thing you, uh, you know, we also were looking at it at our office at one stage. Um, but uh, the uh, only thing that did cross our mind is you want to make sure that that because that that um, PV has to be exposed to the internet. So just make sure there's no mm-hmm. PSDN trunks available on there because if you get hacked, next minute you will have a phone bill. <laughs> With all the phone calls to uh, Russia or China, so it's best to make sure that mm-hmm. the PBX that's sitting on the in your DMZ that people will be connecting to doesn't have any PSTN connections to it, and you just use it to route between the you know your your, your one on your green network, I suppose, and it connects to the PSTN network, um, and 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 the box in the DMZ. So I think it's something you have to be you have to be careful of there. All right. Yeah. So, uh, was there anything else that we wanted to touch on today, Mark? That uh, um, we want to do? We want to talk about challenges of any like yeah. integration with other systems, or yeah, there's. I mean, I think there's two things I'd love to talk about. One is you know, just quickly on the ISDN side of, of Asterix in, in terms yeah. of the hardware, because that's, that's an ISDN has been with the most pain is experienced, um, because you've got BRR and PRR ISDN, and in the past Asterix there were two problems actually. The the, the Linux kernel. 
um, it was using ISDN for Linux, and it didn't support a whole a whole lot of um, ISDN cards. And so you had to patch that at some stages to get it to work, especially with the BRR cards. And at the same time, the library within Asterisk called libprr that handles um, connections to the PRR ISDN lines couldn't support BRR lines. So if you had a BRR card, you had a problem where you had to patch, um, you had to patch libprr um, to support it. And that was quite a manual process, and also if it would break, you couldn't then have a, a BRR card and PRR card in the same box. Um, and then what, what confuses the situation even more is that you, what you can do to solve the problem is just actually replace the kernel ISDN driver with what's called MISDN um, driver. Um, and so when you replace that uh, in the kernel, then all your BRR cards and your PRR cards will work without having to patch um, asterisks. But what you would have to do is you have to use a different, what they call module in asterisks, a channel that handles the channel, sets up the channels with, with the ISDN lines. So, you know, if you look on the internet and people have these problems, it's very confusing what you're reading, what solution people are putting in place to try and deal with the problem, and also what version of Asterix, because as Asterix, you know, later version of Asterix actually supported BRR cards um, natively, you don't have to patch them anymore. And so that can be a lot of, a lot of, area for a lot of confusion for people um, that are new to Asterix. I mean, especially for small businesses, because typically small businesses will use the BRR cards, the basic rate ISDN cards. Um, and you install that, and that's when you have like a, a lot of a lot of problems. But hopefully now that that's behind us. I think a lot of the distributions, like especially Elastic, for example, use MISDN mod, um, kernel modules by default, and um, the mod the ISDN MISDN driver is within Asterix itself. Um, so yeah, so it's getting a lot it's getting a lot better. A lot of the pain is disappearing out of the system there. And uh, all right, and you said there was uh, one other thing you wanted to touch on. Yeah, the other thing would be around, you know, what I find is if you have to integrate with, with existing PBXs, um, you know, there's two worlds. Like, we're coming from the um, RT world into the telephony world, and the telephony world has its own, you know, acronyms and protocols and stuff, which, you know, isn't really, uh, it's, it's a whole new field that you have to get into. Um, and what I find mm -hmm. is normally a bit of animosity from the, uh, the traditional um, telephony side of um, technicians and stuff towards Asterix and open source stuff. So sometimes one of the biggest challenges is actually working with them and getting them to cooperate with you. Um, you know, we find that, uh, you know, often they're trying to integrate to their system, like with these SIM banks, for example, and something's not working, they'll blame Asterix for the, for the problem. And it turns out that, you know, they've got a misconfigured on their, on their SIM bank. Um, you know, it's, it'll be silly things, like, for example, on their SIM bank, they might only have four four SIM cards for one provider, like let's say Africa to be MTN, and then they have four for the other provider, Vodacom, and they programmed the SIM bank to do the least cost routing, and it says, okay, send all MTM calls over the MTM SIMs and all Vodacom calls over the Vodacom SIMs, and then the call center starts dialing, because they don't randomize the numbers, let's say, and it'll start dialing 10 or 8 MTN numbers at the same time. And so what happens is, obviously, after the four MTM numbers are rerouted, people start getting channel unavailable um, responses from from the from the, the sim bank and people say oh well look you know asterix is dropping these calls and it's not the case it's because the sim bank's being misconfigured but often you have to actually fight with the with the technician um, that supports the, the sim bank to tell them look this is the problem so I often find that's is a bit of a challenge as well um, you know and and also obviously the the providers like the Siemens and all these other guys they're quite you know the um, IPvbxs like asterix and open source ones very disruptive to the business, so they're not they're not very keen on integrating with them. It's protectionism, yeah. <laughs> protectionism, right? So, <laughs> yeah, they're just trying to guard their own interests. So, yeah, I guess, um, yeah, 
That's bizarre. I mean, I heard like you know we've gone up against uh, quotes where some where like these proprietary guys are quoted over four hundred thousand rand for a system, and you know we think we're overcharging at you know at fifty thousand rand for an asterisk system. So uh, you know it really is a one of those a classic example basically of how open standards um, can disrupt the you know essentially a proprietary industry. Um, yeah, so that's why Asterix is, you know, really, really is, is taking on, is catching on, like, you know, in South Africa quite, quite a lot. And, you know, I think with these uh, economic challenging times that, you know, even here in North America where we're so fixated on the telcos that it will, it will become a viable option. I know that I've been working with some nonprofit organizations mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, this is a very attractive solution to them. And I, and, and honestly, um, as an IT person, I think the best, you know, you talked about how people resist change and you need support for management. And, you know, the p- management support is good if, if you, you do run into problems. Mm-hmm. But I think an, an ideal solution or an ideal installation is when they don't even realize they've changed, you know, yeah. where everything's gone smoothly. They started using the phones the next morning, like you came in over the weekend or something to do the install, and next, you know, their calls yeah. are coming through, okay, their extensions yeah. are working, their voicemails are working. Yeah. There's nothing, it, it, you know, where they don't have to change their routine, you know. I know that sometimes yeah. you have to change how you get your voicemail, but yeah. ideally, you know, yeah, it should be transparent I would Transparency, yeah, yeah. transparent installation. Um, All right. Think, Was there anything else you wanted to, to share, Mark? I just think that you know, voice is is going mainstream now because when it came out a few years ago in South Africa, everybody hates the tel- the telephone company because it used to be a government monopoly, and then they privatized and basically prices remained stubbornly high um, despite poor service. So everybody was really keen to do anything they can to get away from these guys. So when VoIP first came out, everybody was keen to jump on the bandwagon. Um, and, you know, it was a bit of the hype phase of, of, of VoIP. And I think a lot of people had some negative experiences there, particularly around things like core quality. And in South Africa, it's predominantly related to, as I've been saying, you know, the bandwidth that you can get over it. Um, but I think now it's gone into the mainstream phase. The technology settled down. More bandwidth is coming on board. And we see more and more people actually adopting Asterix now, and you know, in particular in South Africa as well, I think you know the VoIP stuff hasn't really taken off that well, but mainly on the integration to the PSDN network. So yeah, so it looks like uh, you know once again, open source software is making a making a difference in a proprietary world. Great, and you know, in North America, we actually have embraced VoIP lines, mm-hmm. and it is very transparent. You would know most times that mm-hmm. you were on on VoIP. Uh, a lot of businesses in, in, you know employ that. And it's even making its way into residential. But yeah, like you said, though, at the beginning, people jumped on it. There were call quality issues. Mm-hmm. There were, you know, uh, issues about 911 calling, not realizing you're sharing the network when you're used to a dedicated copper line. And uh, I don't know if we touched on it earlier, but like with our office, we have a, a mixed environment. We have four okay. copper lines coming in, yeah. then it turns to VoIP inside our okay, office. Yeah. And uh, we go from there. And we, when we go out, we go out through VoIP. Yeah, that's a common common configuration that you, you don't want to change, especially businesses have been around for a long time. They don't want to lose their numbers that have been published and they spent all that money doing business calls and letterheads and all advertising and that. So you need to keep the copper lines for incoming calls and then they route over the, the VoIP line. Because you know, one of the mm-hmm. advantages of VoIP, which I don't think we talked about, is that you know really it can do least, it does all your least cost routing for you. So the VoIP provider goes out finds the cheapest, it puts all the infrastructure in place, does the cheapest routing, you know, so cell phones get routed over the cell phone networks, 
etc. The landlines are the landlines and international calls get muted by the cheapest possible route. Um, so that's also why it's, it's, they're quite a big threat to to the telephone company as well because now, you know, um, in fact in South Africa for, for our telephone company here, tried to go to court because they claimed that uh, lease cost routing was banned by law because they were the only guys who were allowed to do it. Um, you know, so it's you know it really is a, a technology that that is disruptive to both the telcos and to the the providers of the hardware and the PBXs. Well, it's a whole new world, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, Mark. Well, I really enjoyed co-hosting with you today, and uh, you provided some really valuable insights, I'm sure, to our listeners. And I'm sure if they have any questions, they can always comment on our podcast. And I don't think we touched on it in, the be- in our introduction, but I just was going to just enlighten or, uh, to provide a little more insight to who I am. Okay. So my okay. name is Darling Parker, and, and I live in Canada, actually in Calgary, Alberta. And I work for a company that does Linux-based development. And so open source applications, of course, are very interesting to us. And we do try to use them as much as possible because, you know, we have to walk the walk and talk the talk, right? Yeah. So we, we try to in- integrate them as much as we can into, into our um, office environment. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in future podcasts, I'd like to talk about Moodle, which is an open source solution that I've been using uh, for some online training. So maybe we can talk about that in the future, Mark. Yeah, that'll be great. I've been hearing a lot more about Moodle recently as well. I personally haven't used it, but yeah, it'll be great to get some information, and I'm sure yeah. our listeners will find it interesting as well. And um, yeah, right. thanks for, for for joining me on the podcast and for your valuable insights and information you shared with us, um, Darlene. Yeah, and uh, hope to see you next time. All right. Okay. okay thank you very much, then, Mark. Right. Thanks, Darlene. Thank you for listening to Hack Republic Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.